We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Dynasty Cast on Rovers Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. We took free agency week off, Dan. Um, I wouldn't recommend it for anyone who's <laughs> anyone who's planning to record a podcast uh, about fantasy football. About football, don't take free agency week off because then your your rundown for the next week will be about three hours long. So we're gonna try and turn three hours of the podcasting into about. 48 minutes i think that's that's my estimated goal we're recording now at 9 47 we'll see what time it is at the end of this recording i'm guessing it's going to be at least 10 30 so free agency a large amount of free agency and trades and craziness is in the books but actually dan we're going to start with something that's not in the books uh something that's not in the books is aaron Rodgers to the jets aaron Rodgers went on the pat McAfee podcast and said that he told the packers and the jets uh, about two weeks ago now on friday that uh, he said, I intend to play football for the New York Jets. As far as we know, nothing else has happened to that end. We'll talk about a little bit something that could have an impact on Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. But the basically the, the two sides have not agreed on compensation, maybe on who's going to take what amount of money. So Aaron Rodgers currently a Green Bay Packer, but it does not look like Green Bay uh, intends to play him if he's still on the roster. It does not intend. It does not look like Aaron Rodgers intends to play if he's still on the roster. So Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Um, Aaron Rodgers' buddy Alan Lazard did sign with the Jets as a preemptive, like you know, I guess Aaron Rodgers telling the Jets, "Hey, go sign Alan Lazard." I don't like Alan Lazard is a fine wide receiver. Like the concept of Aaron Rodgers calling the Jets to say, "If you want me to play, get Alan Lazard." There's so many other options. Like, if you want me to play, go trade for Devontae Adams. If you want me to play, sign DJ Chark. Like, why Alan Lazard? Um, and then the then the next move, Elijah Elijah Moore traded for a third for a second swap. According to like the the trade formula, this is essentially Elijah Moore for a third round pick, um, which I think is probably a little bit of a, a bargain for the Browns. Um, but let, let's talk about the the Jets right now. What is the state of the Jets? Are you operating under Aaron Rodgers is a Jet? Are you cautiously uh, pessimistic, cautiously optimistic? Where are you at with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? Well, I still think that 
it, the next football game he plays will be in a Jets uniform. I do fear that the Packers are holding out for a Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford type return for Rodgers. And I'm not saying that it's wrong for them to try to get that. We are talking about a four-time MVP who isn't very far removed from his previous two MVPs. And the issue here is that those guys were 32, 33, 34 and Aaron Rodgers is 39. Now, we, we do, we did just see Tom Brady play until he was 77 years old. But I, I don't know, because of the drama, it seems like every offseason that Aaron Rodgers is that long for the NFL. I, I would assume he's going to play for another three, maybe longer, if if he continues his darkness retreats and continue to, the darkness tells him to play football. I, I still think the Packers are looking to get more than one first plus more. And I would have assumed they would want Elijah Moore in return. But I think this trade with the Browns is essentially the Packers not wanting Elijah Moore, which, which should be fairly obvious there. I think the package will end up looking like either 13 and 42 or 13 and 43 or. 42 43 and a 24 first plus maybe like Corey Davis they're gonna have to get rid of a wide receiver obviously it's not Gary Wilson you just signed McCall Hardman you just signed Lazard to a a probably bigger than deserved contract so uh, I think what will end up happening is the Packers back down a little bit because they've just they've got to get going with Jordan Love as the franchise quarterback if they truly believe he is that guy, you can't sit in this limbo. You've got to make the move. Yeah. Do you want to maximize your, your return? Obviously, but it, we, it's just always chaos with Aaron Rodgers, and they've got to, uh, yeah, yeah the, I, he's a jet. in in my opinion. Yeah. The, the trade package that makes the most sense that I'm not sure. And I'm guessing it's because the Packers want more, but the trade package that in my opinion, that makes the most sense would have been, a second round pick, Elijah Moore, and then a pick next year that go like is determined by the the Jets finish. If the Jets win the Super Bowl, it's a first. If the Jets, you know, make the AC Championship game, it's a second. If the Jets don't make the playoffs, it's a third or something like that. Like some sort of escalating pick for 2024 is what makes sense. So I I think it's I still think that this is most likely the outcome. I would be shocked personally if if 13 is involved because um, I think that's a lot of you know, that's a high capital pick in order to acquire a player who doesn't want to play for the team that he's currently on. Um, yeah, I mean, but look at look at all the picks Sam Darnold's gotten and the teams he's traded. Look at all the picks Carson Wentz has gotten. For God's sakes, Matt, the body of Matt Ryan drew a third round pick. I, I would struggle to see a world where they're not getting at least a first. First plus, I don't think there's a world where they're getting multiple firsts. I don't think there's a world where they're even getting two firsts. I do think that a 42-43 in a future pick has that same equivalence. Uh, but I, I think it it's just done. If, if the Packers are getting 13 and something, I think it's done. But I think the Jets are holding the line there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Rodgers, you know, he may, whether he was, you know, speaking just crap or whatever, but it seemed fairly genuine on the Pat McAfee show that they're just waiting on 
the you know the the trade to happen. It's it's in their core. He's he's done all of his legwork. He's done everything he needs to do. Um, the demands he's made, you know, were apparently you know all all smoke and mirrors. It was of course there's guys I'd like to play with, but you know whatever. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's a weird spot. The Packers I think are going to end up being the ones that have to kind of give up and and just say okay we tap. Here's Aaron Rodgers. We'll take that second. We'll take. Corey Davis, and we'll take a, like you said, a future escalating pick that if they go to the Super Bowl, it becomes a first or or a second or something. Um, that's that's really the only world I think this all gets done. The Packers want too much. The Jets are holding the line because at thirteen, I mean thirteen and forty three, you could probably go up if you if you want Anthony Richardson. I mean, think about the Jets with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, no, definitely that is you know, something that can be considered. I, I'm pretty much under the assumption that, that Rogers is going to be traded to the jets. Um, I'm very interested to see what the, in terms of like an NFL fan perspective, what the compensation ends up being. Um, but this, let's talk about the jets offense briefly, and then we'll move on to the next thing. So jets offense of Rogers, Lazard, Garrett Wilson, McCole Hardman, Tyler Conklin. Um, I'm, st- I, I guess, is there any concern that Rodgers lost a step in 2022 because I, I that is partly my concern but the problem is that even if he lost three steps three steps lost Aaron Rodgers is still better than Zach Wilson Mike White and Joe Flacco so I think huge huge step up for for Garrett Wilson huge step up for uh Conklin or, or, or Rucker if he ends up being the guy um so I think it's a, you know definitely a net positive uh, but I think that there's a chance that some dynasty players, some fantasy players may end up overreacting and overdrafting Garrett Wilson, especially in like redraft based on the Rogers acquisition. I mean, I, I think I think with Rogers, Garrett Wilson becomes a I don't want to say locked in, but a close to locked in wide receiver one. Um, the the only issue I see is the potential that Alan Lazard becomes a red zone lock for Rogers where Garrett Wilson, the only time he's going to score is going to be on 25-plus yard catches. Um, Lazard could end up being a guy that catches 60 balls for, you know, 850 yards, but has like 13, 14 touchdowns. It, it, because that's, you know, uh, you know Rodgers Rogers has that bit. He has those guys he likes to lock into. He likes his red zone guys. Um, but I think Garrett Wilson, from a target standpoint, a full-on production standpoint, it'd be hard to keep him out of your top you know top 12 top 16 if if it's Rodgers you got to remember they have Brees Hall so that that it's a it's a big bump for Brees Hall because when Zach Wilson was under center you could just stack the box because what's Zach Wilson going to do try to throw it okay well that's a free interception uh it's it's going to be interesting to see I I like the way they built it out I would assume that Corey Davis is either gone or yes, Corey Davis what, is gone. He he's whatever. he's like, he's like set. It saves ten million to cut him, and it only loses like one point two million or something like that. So there's zero point zero percent chance Corey Davis is on the Jets roster in twenty twenty three. Yeah, so I I mean I think they have the perfect trio in Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, and McCole Hardman. You've got three guys with three different skill sets, and they all work in different areas of the field. You add in the tight ends, you add in Brees and, Hall, and Brees Hall's a threat out of the backfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's. It's essentially a, a a perfectly built offense. They just need that quarterback, and I mean, I, I think they've got a 
you know, give up a little, a, t- a touch more value to get Rodgers. But they could be, they could be reconsidering everything that they've done so far, the way they've built this team, and it quite literally only being a quarterback away and saying we're already so young, why not grab a young quarterback? So uh, I, I think that's still in the cards as well. I would love to see Lamar Jackson here, but I, I guess I, I'm not, I'm not sure what that all looks like. I, I, that to me would be a slam dunk for two firsts. If he truly wants out of Baltimore, if if the Ravens aren't willing to match and they're cool just accepting two ones, but um, you know losing Elijah Moore is tough, but he didn't really get to do much with Zach Wilson under center. I think that's a huge get for Cleveland. Uh, he and Amari Cooper, uh, that's going to be great for Deshaun Watson. I think both of them have top twenty four upside with Watson, assuming he returns to let's say eighty percent of what he was because he was pretty bad last year, but after. You know, all that time off is tough to tough to return to form. So, yeah, I think I think the Rod, uh, the the Jets with Rodgers are pretty much everybody's a buy. If they end up with a rookie quarterback or you know something less interesting, I guess. I think it probably bumps everybody down, except for Brees Hall. And you know, I, I still think Garrett Wilson's a wide receiver one top half uh, because of his age, because of what he's already done, because of his skill set, because of his ability. We've seen him on the field. Uh, I do like that Jets offense, though, and I, I never thought that would be a sentence I would utter. Yeah, no, Jets definitely in position to be a very good offense. Rodgers, obviously, potentially rookie quarterback, probably not likely, um, as long as it isn't Zach Wilson. As a former Zach Wilson believer, um, he's just very, very bad. Um, and wrapping up with the Browns, the Browns are going to, and uh, this isn't sort of breaking news or anything it's going to be one of the most like volatile like opinionated offenses in the nfl because if elijah moore can live up to potential if we see 2019 deshaun watson then like the browns are a top three offense and amari cooper is going to be a wide receiver one elijah moore is going to be a wide receiver two david and is going to be a top half tight end one but if deshaun watson is 2022 deshaun watson <laughs> then Elijah Moore is like a fantasy wide receiver five. Mari Cooper's a wide receiver two. So definitely a wide range of outcomes for that offense. Um, but I think it's definitely an exciting concept if Watson is able to return to form. Um, let's move on to a bit of the RB shuffle. So I'm going to basically talk about all the quote unquote major running backs and their new landing spots. And then we can talk about our favorites or least favorites of the landing spots and the fits and all those different things. So we have Damian, Damian Harris, Bills, Deontay Foreman, Bears, Miles Sanders, Panthers, Devin Singletary, Texans, Jamal Williams, Saints, David Montgomery, Lions, James Robinson, Patriots, and Rashad Penny, Eagles. I'll actually start with um, my least favorite um, thing I hate the most for, for both sides, honestly, uh, David Montgomery and the Lions. Uh, I am a huge uh, DeAndre Swift guy, and I don't necessarily think that he needed a 1B to his 1A. And unfortunately for an NFL perspective, and unfortunately for a fantasy perspective, I think that Dave Montgomery is going to be 1B. I don't think he's going to be 2. I think he's going to be 1B to DeAndre Swift's 1A. Obviously, Swift is going to get more of the fantasy-relevant points with the targets and probably the red zone looks. But Montgomery is going to be the short yardage guy. Um, So I think that this definitely limits the floor and ceiling of uh, Dave Montgomery and vastly, vastly, vastly decreases the floor of DeAndre Swift. Um, So are you as angry about Montgomery to the Lions as I am? Well, I mean, Montgomery is one of those guys for me that was just kind of a, I don't want to say he was just another guy. He's NFL starter level, but there's nothing really exciting about him. But you really couldn't pick a worse landing spot outside of put pairing him with like Saquon or Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor. Brees Hall. <laughs> like, 
this is about as bad as it gets. And even even with DeAndre Swift, you know, either not being healthy or just kind of underperforming, being a little bit underwhelming, we still know that that talent's there with DeAndre Swift. We've seen it. We we know that he can do it. We watched Jamal Williams dominate in that offense all year. And a lot of people, not me because I love Jamal Williams, but a lot of people, you know, thought, hey, that could have been DeAndre Swift. Well, now it's probably going to be David Montgomery, and they're going to continue to use Swift as just kind of like a, a back that spells David Montgomery, which is unfortunate because Swift absolutely can be a three-down back. Uh, I just fear that they they view Swift the way that the Cowboys, like two years ago, viewed Tony Pollard as, this is only a guy that can handle 10 touches, 12 touches, whatever. We don't want him getting killed out there, even though they're built very differently. The team seem to feel the same about these guys. All right, so... Uh, other than Montgomery to the Lions, what, what is your least favorite fit of of these backs? Well, I mean, it, the the one I think is probably the most de- I don't want to say depressing, but the the worst for me is Singletary with the Texans. Um, it's just so not exciting, and obviously going from Josh Allen to Davis Mills doesn't help. You already have Damian Pierce in place, and no, he's not the best running back either. They're perfect matches for one another. It's just one of those situations where he's not going to get to carry the ball almost at all, and he's only going to be pass catching, which I love. I love that prospect of it, but that offense is going to be so bad that I just I don't really see a lot of fantasy okay. upside. But do we know that, though? Do we know that it's going to be bad? Because like, they have two top 12 picks so they can they can get Bryce Young and then they can get Jackson Smith and Jigbo or they can get you know any other wide receiver and then the rest of the wide receivers are terrible um so I mean whenever you're judging an offense you have to judge it on the quarterback and we don't know if Bryce Young or potentially CJ Stroud is good or bad yet and obviously rookie quarterbacks have a little bit of a handicap to them um but from an NFL perspective I actually love Singletary to the Texans Fanny's perspective I think that I think if, if you were expecting Damian Pierce to get RB1 workhorse load, you were fooling yourself. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that this is a very good 1A, 1B situation with Singletary and Pierce. And, and maybe that's just because I'm not as excited about Pierce as I, as I am Swift. But I, I think this makes a lot of sense NFL-wise, fantasy-wise. It probably just means that neither Pierce or Singletary are going to be like, you know, startable outside of like your deepest leagues. I think you'll see 10 to 12 touches for Singletary, 10 to 12 touches for uh, Pearson. And if you, if, if like you said that the, the receiving work goes to Singletary, he'll probably be the one you want more, more so for fantasy. Yeah. What did he sign a one-year deal? Do we know yeah, that? Pretty sure. So yeah. I guess that's probably my biggest concern is now it's one more year off of running back shelf life and one that he'll probably be not very productive overall. If the Texans do bring in a rookie quarterback, they're probably not going to start for the first half of the season un- unless they go to camp. And Bryce Young is that guy. I I think he's very good. I think he's very undersized, and I think he's going to get killed. I still think he'd be a better option than Davis Mills. The problem is, is they're probably stuck starting Davis Mills for a little while at least. Um, that, to me, kills that offense, whether you get one of the top wide receivers uh, top quarterbacks, whatever. It's a short-term thing for Singletary. He's got to be, what, 27 now? Yeah, around there, yeah. 27, 28. The, kind of the end of, of the lifespan of a running back. So going and, and killing your career in Houston, I, I think, is a tough one for me because I was a Singletary guy. I loved Devin Singletary coming out. Uh, thought being with the Bills was going to be huge. 
had a couple of okay, you know, seasons. But yeah, I think that one to me, I guess personally, I feel most sad about that one. I think, I think it, it has the biggest potential for, you know, to either be really bad or really good. If Damian Pierce goes down or they just say, you know what, you're the RB2, you're you're not going to be the guy, and they say, Singletary, you're the guy, you're getting 200 carries, you're going to get 80 targets, whatever, uh, you know, I, I think there is that in the cards as well. I just, I fear that the Houston Texans are going to be so bad offensively that it, it really won't matter much. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And then let's move on to my favorite of the RB spots. It's Miles Sanders and the Panthers. And a lot of this is following the money. Miles Sanders was the only RB on, on in this you know group that actually got a legitimate contract, three-year deal, um, and going to the Carolina Panthers, who are going to have a rookie quarterback. And I know you just bemoaned that it's not good to have a rookie quarterback. But I'm looking at the upside there. The, it, assuming C.J. Stroud is the Panthers pick, if C.J. Stroud becomes, you know, a top 12 to 16 NFL quarterback rather quickly, and yes, the, the wide receiver group is weak, if not non-existent right now with the Panthers, but they did retain their second round pick in 2023. So that pick is pretty much, you know, penciled in as a wide receiver. I know they've been talking with DJ Chark. Did they sign a wide receiver? They, they did sign somebody, didn't they? uh adam thielen yes that's it um so they signed adam thielen um so mostly following the money but also following the upside of cj stroud i love miles sanders to the panthers yeah no i i'm well obviously i you you've seen me trading for him um that one that one to me is is great getting miles sanders who is what i would call a prolific pass catcher uh maybe we haven't seen prolific yet uh outside of maybe his rookie season in philly where where you know he caught 50 balls this is where we thought he would excel you get him in space that that's where he's dynamite you've now got a frank reich offense with a rookie quarterback and you just signed a running back 
with absolutely nobody else in that backfield, unless you're afraid of Chuba Hubbard. Um, this, this to me is a match made in heaven. Miles Sanders could catch Alvin Kamara type work out of the backfield. He he could catch 80 balls and that's, it might feel like I'm blowing smoke. Um, this to me is, is perfect because he can be the safety valve for CJ Stroud. Whereas Houston was a little bit different. I, I don't see that as upside for an older running back. You know, Sanders is 25. He's getting up there for sure. But this this to me is is much better, much safer. Uh, I trust the situation much more. Um, and, you know, this this also isn't a one year deal. Right. He, he I think he sent a three. So yeah. this one, this one to me, I love, especially because they don't have a lot of pass catchers right now and they didn't have a running back. So. You get your RB1, and this is coming from someone who historically hated on Miles Sanders because of where he was going in drafts, because we knew he was electric in space and sucked between the tackles. I still don't think he's great between the tackles. Obviously, with Philly, that was a little bit different towards the end there with Hertz kind of turning it up and and that offense looking like the, the well-oiled machine that it became. Uh, but I think Frank Reich will use him properly. I think he'll get in space more he will not slam him into the line 25 times a game because, I mean, he didn't do that with LeGarrette Blunt in 2017 or whatever year that was. So, uh, yeah, th- this one, this one is up there for me as far as favorites go. Do you think, do you think he has the chance to, I don't know about leading the league, not leading the league. Well, he could lead the league in RB targets. Do you think he leads the team in, in pass and catches? No, I think I think I think that'll be that'll be Thielen or the rookie wire receiver in the okay. second round. I, I think it's in the cards though, because Thielen's clearly lost a step. We he can't separate. It really struggles to get open. Obviously, having an electric other wide receiver should help, but he just had Justin Jefferson, and that that did, couldn't help him. So um, I, I think Sanders has a chance to be a great running back, at, at least in the short term. All right, and we'll wrap up RB Corner with uh, talk about your boy Jamal Williams to the Saints. Well, I, I love Jamal Williams. Going to the Saints is entirely dependent on whatever happens with Alvin Kamara. Um, I think there's an immense amount of upside there for him. Adding Derek Carr is is great. I, I think I think we kind of know that you know he he is a, a league a, average. A, he's average. officially West Coast. Kirk Cousins now, right? Um, on the East Coast. Right. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think I think with, with Jamal, it's going to be very much dependent on Alvin Kamara because I don't think Kamara is a straight-line equivalent to DeAndre Swift. I, I think the Saints, obviously, assuming he's going to be good to go, would rather have... Kamara on the field catching passes, Jamal Williams out there blocking. Not that Kamara's a, a, any any shabby blocker, uh, but I think you'd see more two-back stuff out of them. The one I'm really excited about is Rashad Penny to the Eagles because unlike... But you you saw there's like no guaranteed money and he can probably get cut, right? Well, he can't get guaranteed money because it's Rashad Penny and he is or has been a walking injury. The difference is Miles Sanders sucks between the tackles, and he ran for 1,300 yards. Rashad Penny is 
dare I say, elite between the tackles when on the field, arguably Nick Chubbish. Uh, that that could be a, an actual scary situation. We if Rashad Penny plays seventeen, which odds odds makers would probably have a pretty hefty line on that. If he plays seventeen games, he's running for fifteen hundred yards. Yeah, and I. I love Penny. I, the the number basically the same exact contract that Ronald Jones got with the Chiefs is concerning uh, for Rashad Penny. That's why I'm not totally in. Uh, Jamal Williams, uh, I think that he he'll be solid. Uh, I think that he, he has shot it even with even if I don't think Kamara is considered a top end RB one anymore no. NFL or fantasy. Um, but I think Jamal Williams has a shot at being a elite RB two NFL and and then fantasy. You know, not ranking. RB2, but you know what I mean in terms of one of the top fantasy RB2s in the NFL. Um, let's move on to the big Panthers-Bears trade. I'll uh, watch you start on the Bears side. Um, I'm, I live in Chicago. Uh, I'm pseudo-becoming a Bears fan now because I love this trade so much. I love Justin Fields. Um, I think this is a great move. Obviously, they pick up the future picks. They pick up um, you know an additional second rounder this year and DJ Moore. Uh some people are concerned about, you know, looking at the Panthers pass volume, looking at the Bears pass volume. The biggest mistake when comparing Panthers pass volume versus Bears pass volume is that the Panthers did not have a DJ, DJ Moore level wide receiver last year. And also, Dave Montgomery was hogging carries that I, I don't think that Deontay Foreman is going to be getting the same amount of carries. Or basically, I, I think the Bears are going to have less handoffs in 2023 than they did than they did in 2022 and then the other part of it just being when you are playing with like darnell moody and scraps there's not much reason for you to pass the ball when you have dj moore and you have chase claypool you know getting a full offseason with the bears and you have darnell moody as a potential wide receiver three there is a reason to pass the ball so yes there is some worries the fact that justin fields is going to be running the ball a decent bit but I am I'm still wheels up on Justin Fields, wheels up on on DJ Moore going to the Bears. Yeah, I think I think this is uh, I mean a match made in heaven. Obviously, um, I think the both of us are are big fans of Justin Fields. I I, I see a star. We're just we, we've got to get everything on on you know on par here. He's it's just kind of been all over the place. Obviously, with his legs, he's I mean he's a superstar. He's he's on that path to being your, your kind of your new Jalen hurt. So uh, I think his dominance with his legs is, is massive overall for the team. I'm kind of on board with your take, you know, regarding Donta Foreman um, probably having a similar, but not painstakingly overwhelming role as David Montgomery, who, I mean, he had 200 carries, he had like 50 targets or something, and that was probably too much for David Montgomery. He's up, he's your he's your dad runner. He's your plotter. Uh, I think they they definitely have uh, Khalil Herbert in, involved a lot more. I think we saw some exciting stuff out of him. I mean, he averaged like six yards a carry. So getting him mixed in, Dante Foreman, I think is probably better uh, between the tackles. You know, obviously more explosive than David Montgomery, but I think we see a big step in the passing game this year from the Bears. I think you see DJ Moore bringing that wide receiver one that this team sorely needs. I think you see, you know, whether it's Claypool or Mooney playing that slot. I, I love Claypool in a big slot, kind of playing tight end the way he did 
in college and and Mooney, you know, you can just kind of shadow what DJ Moore is doing. I, I think those guys are somewhat similar. But you know, you you add the the splash playmaker, the just the I would say borderline elite wide receiver in DJ Moore. I think he's on par with kind of a I think we talked about it before, a Brandon Cooks type start to his career where he's just producing. Uh, you know, maybe underappreciated, maybe undersized, whatever, whatever you want to call him. He produces and he looks great doing it. So I think uh, I, I think the Bears have a really good chance to be you know, top five to eight offense and in, in total offense this season. We just need Justin Fields to A, stay healthy and B, be allowed to pass the ball with more than a half a second before he has to run out of the pocket because you've got the three blind mice blocking for him. Yeah, so that's take on DJ Moore. Uh, briefly on the Bear on the Panthers, so Panthers trade up. Um, like I said, they retained their early second round pick in 2023. So, what are your thoughts? Is it definitely CJ Stroud? Is it definitely a wide receiver in round two? What is the what is your status of the Panthers with Miles Sanders and Co? Well, it it you know that's a there's some GM smoke and mirrors there. I think you know obviously they had the the Bryce Young. Um, Pro day, my understanding pre pro days, uh, not that I have super credible Schefter type sources, but my understanding was that the front office absolutely was enamored with CJ Stroud, uh, pre combine, post combine, and all the way up until these pro days. I, I believe that was the plan. Um, again, it's all and speculation, and but for whatever it's worth, um. So Josh, one of our former sponsors, Underdog, uh, Josh McCown, former employee-ish of Underdog, and now the quarterback coach for the Carolina Panthers. And he did breakdown videos of C.J. Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, and uh, and Will Levis. He thinks Will Levis sucks, so Josh McCown's a smart guy. Um, (laughs) And from people who, like, broke down those videos, it appeared that – that Josh McCown was much more impressed with Stroud than he was young, not saying that he was like shitting on young, but he was more impressed with Stroud. So people are kind of notating, Oh, okay. The Panthers have Josh McCown as a QB coach. The QB coach loves CJ Stroud. Therefore they're going to draft CJ Stroud. I know we've seen uh, not necessarily things like this, where it's like media personalities turning into QB coaches, but we've seen things like this where it's connections like, Oh, it must be this or that. But Josh McCown doesn't say to CJ Stroud, Hey, let's play basketball in Charlotte. If they're not drafting CJ Stroud. Yeah, and I, I think kind of what everybody's realizing, myself included along the way, is that Stroud's much more polished than was probably previously thought. I even struggled with seeing it sometimes where he would just he would just make bad decisions and and just make a bad throw. Um I think the floor is arguably higher for Stroud. And I think he and Young have similar ceilings. I think Anthony Richardson has the highest ceiling and the lowest floor uh, outside of Will Levis. But uh, I, I don't I don't see a high ceiling with, with Will Levis. I think, uh, you know, he'd be lucky to catch on and start for more than a few years. Uh, he seems more like a career backup type to me. But, yeah, no, I, I, think, I think the Panthers, uh, I would be fairly comfortable locking in Stroud there but we've seen crazier things happen we've seen teams jump the jump the ship last second and and go with the other guy so 
it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I think I think both of the top two QBs are are good, uh, potentially great prospects. I, I have a little fear for Bryce Young and his size. And, you know, if you're going to take the shot at Bryce Young, why not just take the chance at the super freak and get Anthony Richardson? Yeah, he might not be the passer that Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud are. But if you're passing on the floor of C.J. Stroud for the upside that you potentially see in Bryce Young, I think I'm going for full upside and just taking a swing at Anthony Richardson. You just can't do that at one, I don't think. All right, before we get into a rapid-fire end of the show with a number of topics, let's talk about Roto-Viz. Now is the time, folks. You have great articles breaking down rookies, breaking down free agents. All these things are in your Roto-Viz account. All you have to do is get a subscription, RV Radio 2023, get access to all of our content and tools, get access to the Game Splits app, get access to the Box Score Scout, all the things we talk about on the show. Um, we'll get into it more and more as we get into the off season and the nitty gritty. So you need yourself 10% off with promo code RV radio, 2023 RV radio, 2023 is your code to get 10% off. All of our content and tools help support the pod gives Dan kid food, gives me dog food, all those fun things. So let's get in the second half of the show rapid fire. I don't know how we're going to rapid fire this Dan, but we're going to, we're going to try <laughs> first. Raiders, Patriots, West, Jimmy G, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Dorsett, OJ Howard, Austin Hooper, and Josh Jacobs staying in Las Vegas. What do you make of the Las Vegas Raiders offseason news thus far? Well, I, I think Josh Jacobs has a real chance at being the overall RB1 this season. You bring in Jimmy G, the game manager. Obviously, you still have Devontae Adams. Uh, that, that, to me, has probably a, a similar floor as it did in, in 2022. Uh, I don't see. We, I don't think we see much fall off from Devonte. I do think that limits how many other players get involved. Uh, I think one of the tight ends will more than likely be, uh, you know, a fringe tight end one, which doesn't really take much effort these days. But I, I do think one of them, whoever kind of catches on, who, whoever McDaniel's decides is the guy, which will probably be Austin Hooper, even though we all would love it for it to be OJ Howard. Uh, I, I do think we see one of them put up some decent numbers, especially now. Um, you know, kind of going in again, you have your game manager. You don't really add any, any good wide receivers. Hunter Renfro is still there. Um, but yeah, I think all in all, I'm still buying Josh Jacobs because he's somehow still undervalued. I, I do think that's the takeaway here. Um, you do what you can to trade away Devonte Adams, any place you have him, uh, to, unless you're contending and you're just planning on winning another title or a title, uh, I think that's the only scenario where you keep Devonte Adams at this point. Uh, historically, looking back, I've talked about it before, but wide receivers, once they hit that that 29, as far as age goes, their their uh, their production might not go drastically down. Definitely not right away, but their dynasty value does. So yes, points are why we're here, but you need to retain dynasty value to continue to move forward. So you can move Devonte. Uh, I'm buying Josh Jacobs. I don't hate Jimmy G as a cheap ad. I do think that the Raiders move up and get a quarterback, though. That would be interesting. Yeah, I um, I generally think that they might wait a year for that um, because the AFC is just so loaded that, like, they have time to, to spare. And granted, that's not how NFL teams think, yada, yada. But uh, my big takeaway from the Raiders offseason is bye, 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 Josh Jacobs, like you said. Um we, we, you know, you and I are the biggest or probably not the biggest, but one of the biggest, <laughs> like, there. don't, 
one of the biggest uh, don't buy second contract running backs. Josh Jacobs now on to his, you know, theoretically his second contract. I don't think it matters. Um, he hasn't been overloaded necessarily with, with volume, but he's also been a consistent volume producer. Um, so yeah, big on Josh Jacobs. I don't think he's going anywhere and I don't think anything around the Raiders is, is t- taking away from Josh Jacobs. No, and I think, Jimmy, I th- sorry, took, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, Jacobs similar to last year, I think you lock in 400 touches, you lock in over 2000 yards. And I think you lock in uh, like 12 to 15 touchdowns. I, I think those numbers are pretty much a straight line from last year. And barring one of these younger guys going absolutely nuclear, uh, I think we see him repeat. Next, we have Baker Mayfield and Chase Edmonds to the Bucks. Leonard Fournette cut, um, Cameron Brake cut for those who care about that. Um, I know that you and several other fantasy uh, people have been uh, adamant that Mike Evans will not be a Buccaneer. He's going to be a Buccaneer. Um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin will be the, the wide receivers for Baker Mayfield. This was my favorite, like in terms of like, if we weren't, if we aren't, if the Bucks weren't going to go full like tank for Caleb Williams, this was what I wanted to do. I wanted to go after Baker Mayfield because there is that high ceiling and extremely low floor as well. So if we see, if we see, you know, certain elements, twenty twenty Baker Mayfield, uh, then the Bucks have a legitimate shot at the division. If we see twenty twenty two Carolina Panthers Baker Mayfield, we have a shot at Caleb Williams as the Bucks. So. Um, I like the signing from the Bucks perspective. I think it's a you know solid spot where he's going to beat Kyle Trask for the job because Kyle Trask is terrible. Um, so I think it's good for Baker Baker's dynasty and fantasy value as well. Yeah, I, I think any any anything you can muster from from Baker at this point is is I think just frosting. Uh, <laughs> it's not the cake, uh, that's for sure, but it could be the frosting. What I do hate is. Evans is probably going to have to go down with the ship. Obviously, we saw him succeed with Jameis Winston, but Jameis was also throwing YOLO balls to Evans for however many years, and and that was kind of the outcome of that. I I don't think we see kind of that same look from Baker. Uh, I think you see a much more reserved Baker taking less chances, doing doing the most to not lose his job. Uh, I, I, I guess, you know... The, the Bucks being in the worst cap situation in their franchise history uh, probably led a lot of people to believing Mike Evans was cut. I think at this point, they just try to salvage what they can and try to make the playoffs out of that division with Baker. Yeah, the team's in shambles. They don't have any space to add anybody. Uh, they're going to have to lean on whatever draft picks they have to hopefully show up and do something. I, unfortunately, I think, though, what this means is I'm probably completely out on the Bucks. I think... I think both wide receivers, I, I don't think there's any way that either of them can be even a wide receiver two. Uh, I think you're looking at both of them being wide receiver threes and lower because of Baker and because of just how this team is built. I would love to be proven wrong because I have a lot of Chris Godwin, arguably too much. And yeah, I, he's been my favorite buy for a couple of years. It's just, it's really hard to see the the big time upside in this offense. I think it'll be a floor play. Uh, these are going to end up being guys that you're buying after like six weeks in the season when they're just not producing. All right. Next up, we have Darren Waller to the Giants. Thumbs up or thumbs down on this for Waller. Thumbs up, thumbs down for this for the Giants. Well, I made the joke on Twitter. Uh, adding Waller officially increases Daniel Jones passing touchdown upside to 16. Uh, I mean, you could have signed Ronald McDonald and and it would have been an increase for the Giants. That that pass catching quarter was horrendous. Yes, I know my boy Sterling Shepard is involved in that in that room. 
but he's no spring chicken anymore. They need a lot of help quickly. This definitely will help because even Daniel Jones, I think, could hit a massive target like Darren Waller. So I think it's big for Darren Waller. I, I, I think it definitely helps Daniel Jones probably get him his his safety net guy. Uh, having Saquon, I, I think this this arguably hurts Saquon the most as far as the type of targets that these guys are getting because we, that's that's kind of where Saquon lives is in that space right there. So I, you know, it's hard for me to say anything positive about Daniel Jones, but I do think that this increases the floor a little bit. I think it hurts Saquon a touch. Uh, I think it's probably a lateral move for Waller, uh, all things being considered. Yeah. The reason why I think it's a positive for Waller is that Waller needed a situation where he's going to get, you know, a deluge of targets and there's nothing else besides Saquon in that Giants offense. So he's going to be getting a deluge of targets. Yeah, he can be Kelsey light, I, I think. Yeah. Next, we have Brandon Cooks traded to the Cowboys for some late round picks. Uh, biggest takeaway for this for me is that Michael Gallup and Jalen Tolbert are cooked. Um, I had some hope for both of those guys. You know, Gallup having some sort of a career resurgence after, you know, further removed from major injury. And then Jalen Tolbert, day two guy that I was hoping would, would see some targets. He did absolutely nothing in year one. He got out-targeted by T.Y. Hilton. So, yeah, I think that this is good for good for Dak Prescott. Bad for the other wide receivers not named, not named uh, C.D. Lamb in the Cowboys offense. Yeah, I think obviously it definitely helps C.D. because now he's not going to be doubled all the time. Uh, very unfortunate about Michael Gallup, another one of my guys that I, I absolutely loved, had a million shares of. Um, but 2019, 2020, those those years, unfortunately, are are deep in the past where we saw what Gallup could be. Even as a rookie, we saw what Gallup could be. Um, the last couple have been very underwhelming. And it's unfortunate because I, I think he was very promising. I think the it'll probably end up being a career-ending style type injury because of the lack of production we've seen over the last two so yeah i do i think it's good for cooks i think if you're looking for cheap points and less less cheap than he was uh, a couple of weeks ago but cheap points brandon cooks it'd be it'd be hard to find someone less expensive that can produce that much uh i think in in a few months you might be able to get mike evans for something similar but i think the floor on brandon cooks is much higher than mike evans at this point all right, let's move on to the Patriots. Patriots signed a pair of playmakers. Uh, after letting Jacoby Myers go, they signed Juju Smith-Schuster and Mike Gusecki. I think it's a lateral move for Mike Gusecki. You know, there certainly was more attractive landing spots, potentially a tight end two for Kansas City. You know, Cincinnati has been in need of a tight end. But he ends up getting paired with Mac Jones. You and I are not huge Mac Jones guys at the moment, maybe potentially <laughs> evolving into Bailey Zappi guys. Um, and then you have Juju Smith-Schuster, who... You know, he's fine. Like, obviously, going from Mahomes to Mac Jones is a negative. But I, he'll probably, you know, have an increase in targets with the Patriots. Um, so what are your general thoughts on these two with the Patriots? Yeah, it'd be hard for it'd be hard for Juju to get any fewer looks than, than he had been getting. Um, I, I think, you know, he's probably in that wide receiver four, wide receiver five range. I, I just think he has pretty much always been overrated. Obviously, he had... Uh, some good time with the Steelers when a, when Antonio Brown was around. Um, but again, those those years are uh, deep in the past. I, I think I like 
Gasaki here, especially because when you consider the the historical value of multiple tight ends being able to, being able to produce in a New England offense, uh, having Gasecki and Hunter Henry, it it should be good. I just don't know if Gasecki is going to take Hunter Henry's looks, and he might not have to. He might not have to take those looks, but I don't think Juju is a real factor here. I think he's a kind of a fine add as far as depth and, and a cheaper buy. Uh, I just don't I don't know where you're going to be plugging him in to start in your in your lineups unless your team is horrible. All right, move on to Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz going from the Cowboys to the Texans It's kind of similar to our conversation with Devin Singletary. Schultz will go as the rookie quarterback goes. Um, I, I think this is a decent spot for him. Obviously, not a ton of competition for targets. And that's kind of what Schultz needed. You know, Schultz was essentially the de facto wide receiver two with the Cowboys the last two years. Um or I guess no, just the last just last year. Um and he's gonna get targets here. So I, I like this spot for Schultz. There were certainly better spots, like I said, but I don't I, I think this is solid. Yeah, I think either of the last two tight ends we talked about would have been much better off in Cincinnati. Uh Schultz was a guy that bet on himself and lost, unfortunately, had something like three years and forty some million on the table. And turned it down, walked, and here we are. Now we're talking about him playing for the Texans, where he could get targets just like Singletary could. Uh, I fear that those two will cannibalize each other, looking for targets in the same spaces. Um, But having a rookie quarterback or Davis Mills, having guys that are easy to hit like Singletary, like, uh, like Dalton Schultz, I think that's good for them. I still don't love it. You, you've got another one-year deal. It's a prove-it deal. Hopefully, it's a let's feed this guy and get him paid, or we resign him if he does produce the way that we think he could, the way we had seen in Dallas. Uh, I, I, I just I fear that he bet on himself and lost because there's something more going on than kind of we're led to believe. Because there's no reason he couldn't have gotten that same contract from someone else. I mean, we've seen Hunter Henry, we've seen Johnny Smith, we've seen all these guys get those three-year, 40-ish million dollar contracts, and then all of a sudden Dalton Schultz, who produced better, looked good, did all of the things that we needed him to do, but then got injured, is not even getting a $10 million one year. So it's a weird one. I do think that there's upside. Um, I'm I'm probably not going to do a ton of chasing unless the, the... Cost is right, which it probably will be. All right, let's wrap up with the backup QB corner. We have Andy Dalton to the Panthers backing up, you know, uh, C.J. Stroud most likely. Jameis Winston backing up uh, Derek Carr with the Saints. Jared Stidham backing up uh, Russell Wilson. Gardner Minshew backing up the QB at four, potentially. Maybe starting for for a little bit of the year and and then end up being the backup to the rookie quarterback. Sam Darnold with the Niners. That's a whole mess of that quarterback position. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, Commanders with uh, Sam Howell competition. Mike White, Dolphins back up behind Tua. And Taylor Heineke, Atlanta Falcons competition with Ritter, question mark. Um, so where are we at with these with, with this group? Is there one that you're, you're chasing in Dynasty? Is there one that you're, you're selling high or selling low on? What are your, Where are you at with this group of quarterbacks? Well, I, I think... I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's underwhelming. I, I think there's a lot of potential here. Uh, Andy Dalton with the Panthers, I think, is a short-term starter. He's, he's that bridge QB until Stroud or Young or whoever they take is ready. 
Winston with the Saints, I, I don't see him touching the field. Um, I, I get the stash in a two QB league if you if you have Carr or you think Carr's going down. Great. Stidham, you couldn't pay me to roster Jared Stidham. Uh, Gardner Minshew, I think, is the one here that has an outside chance of playing a full season as a starting quarterback. Uh, I would say at, at least like 12 games. Um, that one to me is probably most interesting. Sam Darnold will likely be, uh, unless, you know, the 49ers want to go and just have a full quarterback battle for the entire football season outside of one, when, you know, when Brock Purdy's hurt, I, I think Darnold's either cut or one of these guys is traded and he is your true backup. And considering the injury history, he could start some games. Uh, Brissett, I don't think there's a chance in hell he's playing over Sam Howell. I hope you're right, but everyone seems to think Brissett's going to play over how, and I will punch things if that happens. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see that. Uh, I will say the one thing I do see is if Tua continues to be bad, Mike White very well could start for the Dolphins because he looked more than competent with the Jets, and I think the, I think uh, Mike McDaniel saw that, obviously being in the AFC East, and I, I think we could see Mike White, if either Tua is hurt or Tua is bad, we could see Mike White in 2023. And... Unfortunately, we were talking about it before the show. Uh, Des Ritter sure didn't have anybody to throw to. Sure had a bad offense, but he also himself was bad. Uh, I think there's a non-zero chance that Taylor Heineke starts more games than Des Ritter in, in 2023 as well. Yeah, and for me, if, if I'm looking at Dynasty perspective, if I'm looking for one guy who I want to score points and in and get starts in 2023 from a Dynasty vibe perspective, it's Minshew. Dalton would be the other consideration. And then in t- terms of a stash, a guy who has the highest upside here, I think it's, it's Darnold. Uh, simply for the Kyle Shanahan effect, you know, they don't have a clear, you know, oh, this guy's definitely the starter with Lance or Purdy. So if there's any sort of chance that that Darnold is able to, you know, weasel his way into starting it all, and then it ends up being successful. Like, you know, we go back to, obviously we're far removed from it, but draft capital, draft capital, draft capital. He was the top five pick in the NFL draft. Uh, and so if Kyle Shanahan can mold that clay into some semblance of a starting quarterback, that could be exciting. Not likely, not likely, but worth a roster spot in the Superflex. Yeah, I, you know, we we always go back to the draft capital. Yes, Darnold drafted high. Yes, Trey Lance drafted high. And both in their careers already by what how, well, how many games has Brock Purdy played? Like 10? Uh, Brock Purdy already looks like 10 times the quarterback that either one of these guys has looked like. Um you know, Darnold had it in college, doesn't have it in the NFL. Trey Lance has never had it. Uh, no one will ever be able to explain that one to me. Uh, but here we are. You've got three very interesting quarterbacks in one situation, uh, arguably the best situation for a young quarterback to be in. All of those weapons, Shanahan effect. <laughs> I mean, there's a world where it's it's Purdy backing up Darnold and Lance is gone. There's a world where it's Lance starting with Darnold backing up and Purdy's gone. Purdy starting with Lance backing up and Darnold's cut. I, I, I mean, you could throw a dart at the wall and any option is realistic. Alrighty, that's your wrap us up. Just under an hour. Very long, nice trade cast for you folks. Uh, any last words, Dan? No, uh, we'll work to get it down to 30 again next week. We always try to keep it around that half hour to 40 minute mark. Uh, we know podcasts are get overwhelming when they're too long and, and not many people are driving for an hour or sitting down listening to a podcast for an hour uh, unless it's, you know, a murder mystery show or something. So we appreciate you hanging with us. 
and we'll try to get back to more regular. My life is calming down again. No more spring break. We're done with that. So uh, this should be normalized. Dan. Dan. No, I'm we calling it. We I'm can't say it. anything right now, but you're, that's incorrect. A month <laughs> a month straight from today of Tradecast episodes. Lock it in. I will be here by myself if I have to, talking to my wall. I'll bring my kids in. They can have hot takes. And uh, we'll we'll go from there. Alrighty, that's your wraps up for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh! <laughs>